I always like to start out with a little bit of uh, <clears throat> prophecy news uh, and, uh, you know, regarding current events and, um, you know, and, and comparing the scriptures. And um, you don't have to go there because I've got plenty of scriptures to go to. But in Luke 21, 9, it says, But when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified. And I think about commotions and, uh, you know, I would describe uh, today's overall big picture as a big commotion going on. I mean, like, you know, you would think, hey, there's a commotion going over there. What's that? Or there's a commotion there. There's a commotion there. Well, you listen to everything worldwide, you know, there's a commotion going on. Uh, <clears throat> but um, it says, but when you shall hear wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must come to pass. And verse 10 says, nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and uh, great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilence, and fearful sights. And great signs shall there be from heaven. And this is my favorite part. Verse 13 says, And it shall turn to you for a testimony. And uh, that's encouraging. Uh, what do we see today? We see, uh, uh, you know, we see the fast pace, fast track. Knowledge is increased. Uh, right is wrong. Uh, wrong is right. And, and um, let's first turn to um, uh, Psalms 37. And speaking of such, and, um, and it'd be verse um, 12 and 13. I'll give you a minute to get there. Thanks, <coughs> more water. Yeah. <laughs> so, Psalm 37, verse 12 The wicked plotteth against the just and gnashing teeth upon him with his teeth. The Lord shall laugh at him for he seeth that his day is coming. And, um, you know, uh, that's encouraging because uh, I get all jacked up and worked up over all this politics and everything that's going around and trying to brainwash us and everything. So, uh, and, uh, but, um, <clears throat> you know, last time I was up here, we talked some about the things that are going on and, and um, and one of them is earthquakes, and um, and since we talked about that last time, <clears throat> already just in the month of January in 2020, there's been more than a thousand earthquakes. And I get this from Prophecy News. I know some of you guys get that, uh, and if you don't, it's a great thing to download and and to look at. Um, but there's more than a thousand earthquakes rattled Puerto Rico, and I'm going to read a little bit of this is what, what they said in that article. Um, but um, it says. Um, <clears throat> Where was I? Um, <clears throat> yet volcanoes are erupting and are center stage. A massive eruption in the Philippines, along with several other eruptions over the world, greatly puzzling the experts. In January of 2020, uh, Alaska, there was a volcano in Alaska that shot ashes 25,000 feet in the air, uh, and it erupted twice. And there's one in Mexico that shot um, up uh, five miles in the air. Um, there's um, and there's approximately 26 million people that live within a 50 mile radius of, uh, of that one. Uh, in South American Peru, uh, one just shot up uh, approximately 24,000 feet in the air, and the one that I spoke of in the Philippines, uh, it spewed ninth or six to nine miles in the skies. And uh, the authorities are uh, warning that the yet is um, or the worst is yet to come, and that a hazardous explosive eruption could literally happen at any moment. 
Um, all combined with the unusual earthquake activity. Um, and these earthquakes were strong, by the way. Um, and you know, when we hear of the tremors and things here locally, uh, even, but uh, not much news coverage, you know, uh, on this. And, I, and if it was, I think uh, it's probably because we hear us were distracted uh, from all politics and, and uh, all that's, that's going on. Um, and I continue to hear those that uh, regarding the quakes, that those are, those tremors are mild, and that stuff's been going on for you know forever, for years. Um, and just like they're saying in uh, in Second Peter three four, where is the promise of His coming? Uh, nothing has happened uh, since His creation, um, and and so you know in verse nine, <clears throat> you know I'm, it just makes me to think to take heed. Verse 9 says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promise. And, uh, you know, today we see and hear so many things. Uh, it's bizarre, uh, the things that we're hearing and we're digesting and probably becoming desensitized and dumbed down to. Uh, <clears throat> recently, I was, um, you know, you hear a lot of puffed up people that think they're, you know, so superior and so knowledgeable. Um, but... Um, Recently, I was listening to, uh, I was, when I was a kid, I was a Packers fan, and I still want to be, but uh, I'm more of a college SEC guy now, but uh, I was listening to, a, a, you know, an interview from, with Aaron Rodgers, the great uh, Green Bay Packer quarterback, and, and he was denouncing Jesus, and, uh, and uh, he was denouncing a loving God. How could a loving God, you know, send one, someone to hell? And uh, and then he spoke of the Dalai Lama and how he had spent time with him. And, and he was kind of just kicked back in his chair and was just, you know, exuding his intelligence. And, and you know, uh, you know, he was professing himself to be wise. And, uh, and I think of that verse in Romans 1.22, yet became fools. And, um, and so I, when I listen to that, um, I can't roll my eyes hard enough, as my daughter would say. <laughs> I knew she'd get kicked out of that. Uh, but what are we doing? Um, you know, do we set up and take notice? Uh, uh, do we watch? Do we take heed, as the Bible would say? Do we better prepare our hearts, you know, for the bridegroom that's coming soon? Do we speak boldly? Or do we turn a blind, blind eye and or a deaf ear? God forbid we do that. But either way, we know that time is of the essence and, um, and the time is near. So, all right, so I'm gonna get started with you know, today's sermon. I, I titled it, Beckoning Candle. Beckoning Candle. Um, you know, the fact is time is of the essence and either way, um, if he's coming soon, it's of the essence and, and um, or we're dying. You know, we're born dying. We, we talk about in our family and and we're dying soon. And as the Bible says in James 4.14, it's a vapor uh, that appears for a short time and it vanishes away. Um, so that should be an eye opener, but you know, we've got one life, one opportunity, um, and we can't take it over. There's no do-overs. Um, and uh, yet, there's a narrow is the way. Um, you know, we think of that and opposed to, we know the salvation is, we know what salvation you know, of the spirit that is, and 
We know it's a free gift. It's not, you know, not a, uh, it's not a man or man's works. Um, and we know whosoever may come. Um, and um, <clears throat> doesn't that sound like a, or that doesn't sound like a narrow way, whosoever may come. Doesn't sound narrow at all. Um, you know, we know that salvation that I spoke of, deliverance from death and, death and hell is a gift. It's a free gift. And, and the simplicity of that salvation is so simple in that a child can receive it and understand it. Um, but let's turn our Bibles over to uh, Matthew 7, it'd be, uh, 13 and 14. Um, hopefully I don't move too fast um, but 13 and 14 says enter ye into the straight gate for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and many there be which go thereat or in thereat because straight is the gate and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life and few there be that find it. Um, something to ponder. What about I believe, Lord, help me with my unbelief. Mark 9, 24. What about the two on their way to Emmaus? Uh, on the road to Emmaus. They were obviously believers. Um, Let's look at that in Luke 24, 11. No. In 11, it appears there's some weak faith, but it said in their words seem to be, or seem to them as idle tales and they believed them not. Um, if we drop down to um, 14, and it says they talked together of all the things which had happened, and it came to pass in verse 15, um, that while they commune together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near. So to stop on that word commune, I just kind of wanted to ponder on that. While they commune together, commune means intimate thoughts or feelings with someone, especially on a spiritual level. Feel in close spiritual contact with. And, and they reason together. And reason is a premises of an argument in support of a belief. To think, understand, reason because of. So what happened? In verse 15, Jesus himself drew near as a result of that and 
he went with them. But their eyes were restricted, probably because of their own doings. But in verse 21, it says, But we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. And besides all this, to the, today is the third day since these things were done. So we know more than this example, there's a number of them there just before and after these verses that are clearly these are believers because um, they trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. In verse 30, I say what happened. He sat at meat with them. In 31, I think of the meat of the word, the milk, the meat, the strong meat. And as you dig into the words, in the meat of the words, it, 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 uh, the results are intimacy with him. So 30, 30, he said, he sat at meat with them. And 31 says, and their eyes were opened. And what happened? And they knew him. And then the Bible knew or knowing him is always intimacy. He knows the hair, the numbers of the hairs on our head. This is knowing him. It's rich like a, like a fine meal. It's intimate. Um, in verse 32, they said, and, and here's what happened. Here's what else happened. Did our hearts not burn within us while he talked with us? by the way and while he opened up to us the scriptures verse 34 they're declaring saying the Lord is risen and 35 says and they told what the things were done in the way and how he was known of them in breaking bread what about Let's flip over to Matthew 13, back that direction. Matthew 13, uh, we're gonna look at verse 16, 17, 18, 19. Um, Blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. What a privilege that is. For verily I say unto you that many prophets and righteous men have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower, And when anyone heareth the word of the kingdom and understand it not, what happens? Then cometh the wicked one and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. And then it tells, this is he which received seed by the wayside. A dead man in Christ, an unbeliever, doesn't receive the seed. Um, and then I think about what about Ruth? 
What about Orpa? One goes back, Orpa, hope I'm saying that right, and one goes forward in the way, Ruth. What about those who crossed over the Red Sea and um, they were saved, yet they lacked faith and they couldn't go back. They wanted to go back. And it's a picture of, you know, um, they were unable to. They were, they were saved and believers. And, and, um, but what did they lack? They lacked the faith to go on into the promised land. Yet, but two, Caleb and Joshua, for those few there that find it, that narrow way. What about David's mighty man? 300,000 man army, 30,000, 3,000, 330. It just keeps getting more narrow, more intimate, the most trusted, the most intimate, the few there that find it. What's the point? Isn't it the biggest decision in your life to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? It is. But it's the starting line. It's the starting blocks, I say. Um, it's whereas you come to life from a dead man uh, to receiving life and eternal life by receiving him. The things that we're talking about are things afterwards. We're talking about moving forward, being in field with the light, or serving darkness, which it's obviously a believer can do. And I know I'm pushing the envelope when I say this, but the Bible was written to believers. Unbelievers are dead, and they're not really reading it. But we know the Bible, or, or the Word says, believing comes by what? Hearing the Word of God. But I know the Bible saves. Um, it's, I know it's, it saves the unbeliever. Um, and it saves the believer, the soul. Um, so hearing the plan of salvation or hearing um, about the necessity to run uh, the race, we're share both, aren't we? Um, that's why we're to speak boldly, as it says in Ephesians 6, uh, as we ought to. Question, why wouldn't we run towards the giants as David did? Let's look at 1 Samuel 17, 45. First off, he declared to the giant in verse 45, I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts. I always think of Jeremiah 15, 16. That's 1 Samuel 17, 45. Make sure he, he declared in the name of the Lord of hosts, 
in there that I'm coming in the name of the Lord of hosts. And, and I think of Jeremiah 15, 16, for I am called by thy name, O Lord God of hosts. In verse 48, David hasted, which equals excessive speed or urgency of movement. And he ran towards the army and the Philistine giant. With all these examples, why wouldn't we have the faith to simply reach out if it's only to touch his garment? You know, in Matthew 9, 21, the woman said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole, or I shall be whole. And then that verse 22, but Jesus turned about and when he saw her, turned about and made eye contact. You know he didn't need to. He knew. He knew. And he said, daughter, be of good comfort. Comfort. Thy faith have made thee whole. It's almost, he's telling her, you're already whole. But she said, if I could only but touch his garment. You know. That verse makes me about cry every single time. Ah, but why wouldn't I believe? Why wouldn't I believe? You know the verse where Mary Magdalene said he's risen and he said to go tell the disciples uh, to meet me down at the Sea of Galilee and, and tell Peter. So why wouldn't I believe and tell Peter and have that kind of faith? Knowing that I'm like Peter, and I've denied the Lord more than three times, yet the encouraging part, it's not too late. Um, it's ne meaning it's never too late. Just like the parables um, of those that came late to work and, um, and got paid the same. It's all, there's always time while we're alive and we have this one opportunity. Why wouldn't I get in the way, that narrow way? Is it that I'm lacking faith? Or that I'm simply not willing to? Or do I see the differences in these examples? Or is it that I choose not to see these things? Meaning, do I say, oh, this is just too much information <clears throat> and we're not meant to know these things or all these examples and all these things are too much for us to understand well, I say that's a lie right out of the pits of hell um, I'm convinced the mystery of the kingdom of heaven is that it's a mystery that when we see and hear these things we either discard them as if we don't understand them and I think that's the mystery of the kingdom of heaven. Or it's a mystery. They're not that complicated to see. And I'm thankful that I see them. And I'm not, I'm not you know, trying to throw a stone at somebody that doesn't. But I think it's a mystery um, that we don't see and hear them. You know, the conclusion is it really that we should cry out with all supplication and thanksgiving as the scriptures say. And we should repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And I, 
that I think of repent wholeheartedly. I always think of Kim when we talk about the heart because he's always talking about that. And when I'm convicted and looking at these things, I'm always it always ends up there. I'm thinking, ah, it's my heart. Um, but I can pray it upon myself and ask for restoration. I can ask for my heart to burn like those guys on the road to Emmaus and to reason with one another in the word and in prayer. I can ask for my heart to become more focused on others and less on myself. I'm always convicted. Um, I used to be scared to read the book of Job thinking that the Lord's going to put it on me. <laughs> and so when I finally dug in there, it hit me right between the eyes that, you know, Job, Job murmured and complained, but, um, but the Lord released him when he began to pray for, for the others, pray for his friends and others. Um, but I know we can pray upon ourselves to ponder these things, to think upon these things, um, to act upon these things, to be sold out better preparing ourselves knowing the bridegroom uh, is coming soon but why wouldn't we i still question myself why wouldn't we take heed as the bible says let's flip over to matthew 8 12. Um, Matthew 8 12 but the children of the kingdom shall be cast into outer darkness there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth and we know this can't be hell because as in this can't be as in unbelievers as most would say speaking of the children of the kingdom and we know there's an age of accountability for a child. It's in unbelief. This is speaking about the immature Christians, the immature children, babies, due to camping out on the mill, never learning, lukewarm, being cast out of the wedding banquet. I've heard this statement one time. <clears throat> Those seeking all these mentioned things in the Bible, these deeper truths, these kingdom truths, I call them, kingdom benefits, kingdom consequences, these truths mentioned, I've heard it said, they diminish the cross. Well, you know what? That's also a lie right out of the pits of hell. Where would Satan want to keep us? 
He'd want to keep us on the milk, wouldn't he? He'd want to keep us from uh, not worrying about these things and not being encouraged, whether it be out of the fear of loss or whether it be out of the uh, reward of gain. We're to draw near and have our eyes opened like those on the road to Emmaus, opposed to quench not the spirit, which actually always means that we can, as believers, we can quench the spirit. That verse in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. So where do we go from here? The narrow way or the wayside? The way of the evil servant that says in Matthew 24, 48, my Lord delayeth his coming. Or by the way of a lukewarm. Or by the way of not speaking boldly. Or by the way of remaining on the milk of the word. Or even by the way of going back to our first oracles of God. When we first believed. Striking the rock twice. Getting saved over and over which seems to be the trend in a lot of the churches today. If we want to get on with something, let's get on out of the starting blocks. Let's get off the sidelines and let's get out of the Broadway. I think of Broadway like, you know, New York Broadway, Hollywood, the Broadway. It's almost fitting, isn't it? Instead of the narrow way. Um, isn't there enough evidence to fuel our fire that our hearts may burn to run like David without hesitancy with the kind of heart that's on fire I still can't ponder that verse enough did our hearts not burn while he talked with us by the way while he opened to us the scriptures. Luke 24. Isn't it enough evidence to fuel that kind of light that burns brighter, not quenched in the way? Yes, it is. Yet narrow is the way. And based on more than enough reasons to reason, think about a reason. <coughs> There's more than enough reasons to reason. Even though few find it. Those that allowed it to follow deaf ears and blind eyes are not those that find it. Yet we are able to find it and abide in Him. Um, you know, John 15 uh, talks about if we abide in Him. And I always under that if we abide in him the same bringeth forth much fruit let's look at uh, Malachi 3 2 if you will last book of the Old Testament Malachi 3 2 says but who may abide the day of his coming. And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire. 
like a fuller's soap or a launderer's soap. Narrow is the way. Refined, purified, a smaller and smaller group. Those that find it, the few that find it. Not just hearers only, but doers. Those who I, those whose eyes were opened. Those that are faithful. Those that use it all for their testimony. You've heard it before. Those to be reckoned with. And I think about the recognized one way or the other. But there is a reckoning coming that, that I spoke of once before. And we have good reason to seek that narrow way. And that's one, there's a reckoning coming. But before that, our works are taking place as wood, hay, and stubble, or as gold, silver, and precious stones, or as children in the dark, or as a beckoning candle. Recently, I was listening to an Elvis Presley song, and uh, I still love that guy's voice. And, uh, and it was that song, If I Could Dream. And uh, it makes mention of a beckoning candle. Um, and I just kind of, it hit me, beckoning. Rhymes with reckoning. Is that in the Bible? Is that word in the Bible? <laughs> so I opened up the Bible, looked in there, yeah, it's in there many times. Uh, but I think of reckoning is a judgment, and it's in the future tense. All will be accounted for. But beckoning or beckoned can be now. Here and now in the current tense. It makes me think, how do we do this? This narrow way. Beckoning in Luke 1.22, and you don't have to turn there, but it says he beckoned unto them. A beckoning light. A beckoning candle. Beckoned is a verb. It's a hand gesture. With the arm even. Encouraging one to come closer, come nearer, to follow, attract the attention of, or to summon someone. Seem to be appealing or inviting, inviting, hey, come over here. In Acts 21:40, Paul beckoned with the hand. And when there was silence, he spake unto them. Spake boldly. In John 13, 24, now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of his disciples whom Jesus loved. Verse 24, that was verse 23. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask of him beckoned. Hey, come over here. 
Come near. I've got something to share with you. And it's that light of Jesus. You know, it doesn't take much for us to do that. And I'm preaching to myself right now. Solely to myself. It doesn't take much to say, hey, come over here. What's your spiritual belief? You know, that confuses some people. Well, I went to church when I was a kid. Uh, no, I want to know what's your spiritual belief. I'm not asking what your denomination you attended or anything like that. And if you want to expose it a little quicker, you know, you seem like a nice person. I'm just curious who's Jesus Christ to you. That's going to expose the truth right there. There you're going to say, well, he's a prophet or a good man or, or he's my Lord and Savior and I've received him as my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. A beckoning to hear and see makes me think of this is my own this part not <laughs> in the proper English but beckons hey come over here but there's also being recognized recognized he's a light he's a beckoning candle and he's trying to get my attention come over here Matthew 13 16 says but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they hear and blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. Let's look at um, Luke 11. I'm going to wrap this up. Um, Luke 11. Be Luke 11, 12, uh, 2 and 3. I'm sorry. Um, Luke 30, Luke 11, 33 through 36. It says, No man, when he, when he hath lighted a candle, put it in a secret place, neither under a bushel, but on a candlestick. They that which come in may see light, the light of the body is the eye. Therefore, when the eye is single, the whole body is full of light. But when the eye is evil, the body is full of darkness. Take heed, there you go, therefore, that the light which is in thee be not darkened. So it is a possibility to have the light of Jesus in you and it be darkened from being out of the way, out of the narrow way. And if that whole body, therefore, be full of light, having no part in darkness, or in dark, the whole shall be full of light as when the bright shining of a candle doth give us the light. In Luke 12, 2 and 3, and I'm just going to blow through these because I know I'm running behind. I'll finish up. Um, Verse 2 says, For there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be known. Therefore, whatsoever ye have spoken in darkness shall be heard in the light. And that which ye have spoken in the ear in closets or in the inner rooms shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. In Luke 12 and 34 and 38, 
for where your treasure is. We all know this, whenever your heart be also. Let your loins be girded about and your lights burning. And ye yourselves liken to men that wait for their Lord. Verse 37, it says, Blessed are those servants whom the Lord, when he cometh, shall find watching all the while being a beckoning candle. Matthew 5, 15 says, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. If you do a little study on in the house, that's my house, but it's your life's works. They're giving light unto all that are in the house. Verse 16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. A beckoning candle. A narrow way. Let's pray. Dear Lord Jesus, we just thank you uh, to be able to open up the Word of God and um, just thank you for this time of fellowship together and uh, the richness of your Word. And I pray, Father, that our hearts burn, that our hearts become on fire, that we're hungry for more. And I pray that we be a beckoning light, a beckoning candle, that would affect that day of reckoning in the sense of that we might stand out, that we might, as a result, are drawing near to you, but, it, but more so in abiding in the true joy that you have for us here and now. And I just pray, Father, for a super keen sense of awareness that, um, that we would avoid all the things that distract us, the world, even the flesh and the devil's temptations. But we might be a beckoning candle and we might speak boldly as we ought to. And Father, we always want to keep our eye on Israel. And, um, and I just pray, Father, that um, Israel be saved. And I pray that we would reach out to the Jew first and then to the Gentiles. And in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.